I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Pardo Solicitors, the friendly law firm based in the heart of Somerset, with offices in Yeovil, Taunton, and Bridgewater, with a strong ethos of helping those in our community. If in doubt, check it out with Pardo's on a free, no obligation call, or subscribe to our free podcast, The Friendly Law Podcast. For more information, call 0800 862 or visit pardos.co.uk. Pardo Solicitors, looking after you, your family and your business. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. You are listening to Three Valleys Radio. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard looking for his back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanded by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis, he could win it! He probably has won it for Yeovil! Oh, and it's an opening goal! What a start! 
six minutes gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot. Goal! Hello, how are you? Welcome to the Glovers Cast with me, Ian, on Three Valleys Radio. And as ever on this wonderful day, I am joined by Mr. Ben Barrett. Hello, sir. Happy Valentine's Day to you. It is a wonderful day, isn't it? <laughs> there is really... nobody else that I would rather have whispering sweet nothings in my ear on this Sunday morning than you, good sir. And I say that, stating the knowledge that my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you can get away with it as well, because mine doesn't either. It's um, <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't think I've ever started a Valentine's Day talking about a Yeovil Town win. You know, I'll have to go back through the fixtures and see. There's um, one of the statos amongst us. We'll have to go back <laughs> and try and try and figure out when the last time we won on on February thirteenth was. Yeah, yeah, and what a win it was, really. I, I mean, you know, football really is a game of three thirds, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean. On the on the face of it, the record books will show that we've beaten a playoff team two nil, Jade Cozily, and lovely jubbly clean sheet, couple of goals, all well and good. The reality for anyone who watched it will know that the first forty five minutes of that football match was about as turgid as a football match can be, from both sides. I mean that. I mean there was no there was no awards being handed out for that first forty five minutes. It was horrendous on every level, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we never really seemed to be playing with any sort of pace or direction or any idea, really. It didn't seem like we wanted to know. We, we didn't really knew what we wanted to do. And um, yeah, I think Altrincham the other way. They didn't, you know, they didn't try too much. They had a, a couple of passages of play. You can see from moments how they are where they are. They, they when they got the ball. Moving, I think they had one move where they worked it into the box and got a shot away. But you know, for, from our perspective, going forward, there there just wasn't really any connection, was there? Really, they seemed too far apart. I think Reed had his worst game so far. Um, Quigley and Reed looked like they'd not actually played together um, yesterday in that first half, and it was just I don't know, it was a bit unusual. Do you, think, do you want? We changed the midfield up, didn't we? It was. Um, Jimmy Smith and Lawson in there. What were your? What, do you think you can pinpoint as to why? Why that? Um, you know, didn't seem to click in the first half. Well, I mean, obviously the 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 Jimmy Smith coming in for for, for Matty Worthington because we had to make that change because Worthington was suspended. I, I didn't I didn't mind that. I thought Jimmy Smith did okay. Um, I'm quite happy if he becomes an extra sort of extra string to his bow to drop back in front of the back four and do that. The front three within that midfield, I thought Knowles had a bit of liveliness about him. But I felt that Noyfield in the first half, I felt he got a bit frustrated. I think he got an early booking. Um, uh, Skendy might as well have not been there for the first 45 minutes. We'll get on to the second <laughs> half. We'll get on to the second half because he is the epitome of a game of two halves yesterday. He might as well have not been there. And we talked about it on the podcast last week, didn't we? How you need to have a, a rope between your strikers. And the amount of times the ball went forward, either through a half-decent little moment or just a long ball or whatever whatever saw the ball go forward, 
every time one of our players got the ball, they were so isolated. It was like they'd taken social distancing way too far. It just didn't make sense that they were so far apart. And that was that little triangle between Skendy in the middle and Reed and Quigley. And I kept, I texted you at halftime, just get closer. Yeah. Just be there for your mate. Because the amount of times Noisfield just ran into a dead end because he had no real options. The amount of time that Reed just had the ball bounce off of him and Quigley was nodding it down into no area whatsoever. It was so frustrating. It was so... We looked leggy. We looked tired. We looked like we had like a hangover. That is classic. It looked like classic Sunday league, Sunday morning, trying to waddle around with a hangover football. It looked awful. It looked no sort of... No direction, no plan, no kind of way of getting out. And in the end, we had to do a couple of spells of defending. And I think the defenders will come out of it with any with any kind of credit. But yeah, it, it was it was a terrible... It was a terrible 45 minutes of football. And I know the the gaffers come out afterwards and said that all he did was kind of G them up and say, give me a little bit more, give me a little bit more. I, 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 I've got question marks over that. I think he put a rocket up. And I, I, I would not be surprised if he put an absolute rocket up them. Because we came out a different team. We came out in the second half a different team. Yeah. We, looked, we looked attacking. We looked like we had, we had a plan. <laughs> we actually looked like we knew what we were doing. And then when Murphy comes on to make the difference, we looked like we had, and this is going to sound really harsh on Quigley and Reed and, and Skendy and all the rest, but it looked like we had confidence that our attacking play was going to end up somewhere. Yeah. Because, of, because we had that bit of, that extra little bit of quality on the pitch in Reese Murphy, because that's what he can offer. Yeah, and I think it was an so extra bit of... An extra bit of urgency, wasn't it, really? Because, I don't know, Reed and Quigley aren't... They didn't seem yesterday to be particularly keen on the press um, when Dover had the ball. Uh, sorry, Altrincham had the ball. Dover on the mind this morning. Um, but then you know as soon as Murphy comes on, he's going to hunt down and chase down everything. And I think his that sort of attitude... You know, we saw Knowles later in the game... He did the same, and it seemed that that sort of mentality of hunting the ball down that Murphy brings is quite infectious to the other players that are closer to him as well. And to a certain degree, Dagnall does the same when he comes on. He He's that type of, you know, um, not nasty, but a nasty striker who will nip at the, you know, nip at the heels and keep chasing things down, which, you know, I think we needed that yesterday to get those two goals because ultimately the Altrincham defence weren't really under mu- too much pressure until until we made that change. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we saw the bulk of the errors from Altrincham after Murphy had come on when they were just launching balls long and they were goal- the goalkeeper kicked the ball directly out of play two or three times just because there was a bit of pressure. So... I agree entirely. They came on, they changed the, the momentum going forward and because they got closer to whoever they were partnering with and Skendy was able to sort of get involved, it made Skendy look like a world beater away all of a sudden. Because yeah. he was getting involved in the play. He wasn't so isolated. He could play a little pass. He could play a little move. He could get something moving because his mate was next to him, not over on the other side of the pitch. Skendy's not the type of player, in fact, I'm not sure we've got any of the type of players who can get the ball sit on it for five se- seconds, put the head up and spray 60-yard passes around the feet. That's, yeah. why they're at that, that's, why, that's why they're playing at this level. We haven't got those players. Yeah, and I don't think those players particularly are 
you know, suitable to the National League either. Like, we might have one, but, you know, you telling me Liam Walsh, I mean, Liam Walsh is class, but is he going to be able to do that? He's not going to have the time in the National League to be just spraying balls around, is he, and, and being that type of creative player, in my view. No, you're probably right. You're probably right. So, it just, the first half just seemed so alien to the second. It really, really did. Um, in the end, quality showed through. I thought defensively we were we were fairly solid. Happy with the new lad at the back. Um, thought he kind of looked a bit more, what's the word, um, commanding in those aerial moments. Kind of had a bit more faith in him. We've seen a little bit. And I think that kind of dragged Hunt along with him. Hunt kind of joined in and got involved. And they had a few moments at attacking set pieces. So, yeah, defensively, I thought we looked, looked pretty solid. I thought we took care of those dropping longer balls that we had to, which we didn't do in the last game, which obviously led to a goal. And it just felt like a more all-round performance. But to go in at half-time at nil-nil was a bit of a blessing, really. If we'd have gone in one down or sort of not not up with the game, I felt like it could have gone a different way. But to get in half-time with nil-nil and a perfectly good goal disallowed, we were going in okay. We were going in feeling quite good. And then to up the quality, we just kind of took the game away from it. Yeah, let's talk. I want to talk about the goal, but first let's talk about the defenders. Because, I mean, your point on the aerial, you know, prowess, it helps having two giants at centre-back um, to do that. But I thought, um, I thought Sass Davis was his... He showed a bit of, um, you know, here's where I watched a lot of Arsenal. Um the Koscielny type of defender where he nips in front and gets the ball before it gets to the feet of the striker. I saw that a couple of times from him, which that sort of reading of the play in front of you, which I think is something that's really important for at least one of your defenders to have that. Um, it's quite nice to have a, a stopper who will break everything down, but also someone who reads the game and has got that intelligence. And, you know, coming from the academy system he's come from in Crew Alexandra, he's going to have that technical, intelligent play about him, isn't he? Yeah, he didn't look like a 20-year-old. He didn't look like he was no. born uh, in the year 2000. Um, he looked, he looked <laughs> older, older than his, um, older than his, his years allowed. Because, like you say, he read the game well. He knew when it was time just to, just to head a ball clear. He knew when it was time just to launch one into the, into the stands. But like you say, he also he didn't, just, he didn't just defend aimlessly. Sometimes you can get stuck in a rut of just heading balls clear. And then you're relying on it dropping nicely and you're relying on your midfielders to to do something and to win a, a 50-50. What Billy Sass Davis managed to do, and I think I, I spotted the same couple of things that you did, was that not only did he intercept the ball, he then just gave it to somebody. Yeah. Doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if it was a backwards pass or a sideways pass or a forwards pass. We just kept the ball. We just had that moment or two of a, a bit of extra possession, something that we were giving up against Eastleigh. The ball was just bouncing back all the time. So actually, to have a defender who can not only get in and nip the ball or win the header or do whatever, but to keep possession in doing so, even for just a shorter period of time, just so we can build up, just so we can reset, just to get your line sorted and move on and then try and go forward and get your more creative players into play. And I thought that worked quite nicely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was quite reassuring to know that with those two younger players in there, we, we did okay. I think having Carl Dickinson back was a big bonus as well, um, just 
from an experience standpoint, I think we wanted him there to support those two, um, which is maybe why he was given the nod this week ahead of um, Michael Kelly. Yeah, I think so. Um, otherwise, it would have been a very, very young side. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's why probably Jimmy Smith was given the nod in that sort of holding role as well, instead of, say, playing Skendy in there and having Warburton or having someone further forward, is that Jimmy Smith just offered you, because he, he's coaching, because he's the one actually leading the way on the training field. He's doing those bits alongside. To have him stood in front of those two at the back, just literally literally dictating play if he needed to for five or six minutes, just literally telling them what to do, head ball, keel ball, pass ball, yeah. if that's what those lads needed. In the end, I don't think they did need a lot of that, but it was nice that they had that sort of reassurance from from Dicko and, and Smith that they were that they were there. Like like I say, even just in a talking capacity, it might have been something as that simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked Jimmy. I liked Jimmy Smith in that um, in that position. Um, obviously, you know everyone. It feels like everyone sees him as a number ten, but in reality, I don't think he's played that position for us for quite some time, and. When he has, he's not really been particularly effective. There are more effective players to play in that position now. So I think he's, you know, as a player who's getting a little bit older, probably doesn't have the pace that he used to have purely because of the injuries. Um, that position's probably one that's there for the taking for the rest of the season for him, I would say. Yeah, it feels like it's natural progression for a for a 34-year-old who does play the sort of the number 10 or sits in behind the striker, just to drop back further and further. The most high-profile one that I can probably think of is, is Wayne Rooney did it. He was a full-on striker, and just as his career progressed, he dropped further and further back. And by the time we finished at Derby, he was playing defensive midfield. Yeah. So that seems like a natural progression because he has the ability to read the game, to lead and dictate the play, actually that might be a position that suits him quite nicely. And if, if we've got the option for Jimmy Smith, who has a forward's mind, but a defensive midfielder's body, to play in and know what the likes of Knowles and Neufeld and Skendi and Sanupe, if he ever comes back, is is thinking, then that's that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And like you say, at the moment, you know, Worthington's not really that position, and I'd rather he was used alongside someone in that position. Lawson Diaz looks to be out for a little bit. Charlie Lees, well, he came in for a game and then he's out again for a game and we don't know where he is with his injury. It feels like a position that, A, is vital because no matter what formation we play, we've got one of them. But, B, it's there for the taking. And if Jimmy Smith can spend the next three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten games making that his position, I think that's that's got to be a bonus for him and, and hopefully where we'll get the best out of him for the rest of the season. Yeah, let's talk about a goal. The the, okay. the ghost goal. It wasn't yes. really a ghost goal. It was perfectly... <laughs> uh, okay, what was it for? Um, we do have a question, actually. We can link into this question um, from Coatsy. Uh, early... Uh, right, here we go. After the disallowed goals of Reed at Weymouth and Quigley against Altrincham, are the days of a striker scoring with a header whilst under pressure from a defender over? And... Well, you'd like to think not. Um, I'm sure, you know, we could score that goal next week and it would be perfectly fine. Um, just uh, uh, unreal. 
<laughs> like there was a slight hand on the back, maybe. But what, what what's your view? You're always quite diplomatic on these. I'm, and I'm going to be again. I the, the angle that I've seen that we've seen from the replays and the little clips that have done around on social, it's a perfectly fine goal. Perfectly fine goal. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing that you can that you can uh, chalk it off for. You, if you can see the other angle, there might be something. There might be more than just a hand on the back. There might have been a foot that was pulling down the, the heels of the defender. It might have been something else. It might have been a second hand. I don't know. So there is another angle, and the camera angle isn't as good as the referee's angle. But, I mean, it's, it's Peter Kraut syndrome, isn't it? It's, it's giving away fouls simply because you're a big person. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it from what from what I could see. And unless that other angle would be available and would make something look bigger, it's just poor officiating, which we've said a countless times on this podcast. It's something that we're reluctant to moan about at this level because they're all rubbish. Yeah, the first rule of the Glover's cast is we don't talk about referees. So, look, it's just, it's just rubbish, isn't it? But I think what it did is it just kind of gave that first half a, an exclamation point. Of look, we were we were turgid for forty three minutes, and yet we've still gone in nil nil, and we've scored a goal, even if it didn't count. We have scored it. We created it. The move worked. The cross was good. The header was good. We opened them up. Yeah. And so I do wonder if it kind of just, whilst it didn't count on the scoreboard, there's a very few better times to score opening goal than in the forty third minute. So I wonder if it felt like that. Does that make sense? I wonder if it felt like we went in one nil up. We have scored. It's fine. It doesn't matter that the referee was napped and ruled it out. Yeah, I, I think know. I think there's something to that. I think you know you you get confidence from scoring, um, and you know obviously it was well not obviously, but we felt like it was a good goal. I'm sure the players felt like it was a good goal, and they would you know would have built on that and thought let's you know carry on the way that that move. Um, transpired and and things will be okay. Um, I mean, you said earlier that maybe Darren Sal lit a rocket. Maybe that rocket was less ferocious um, because of that passage of play and that goal. And you know, it sort of takes you have that added edge if you were a bit you know down by a referee's decision. Um, yeah. Perhaps you know, perhaps that was the less of a team talk was needed because of that moment. Who knows? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a very fair point. But I want to. So, what did you make of Reed yesterday? Because we had, you know, big discussions last week about Reed um, after his post-match interview. Um, but you, you messaged me saying how annoyed he looked in the first half, and it, it never really got much better for him, did it? Throughout the game, he cut a very frustrated figure again. And as we said on this podcast you and I both were in agreement that if you're going to come out with a post-match press conference like that, brilliant, but you've got to be the one to lead the way now. Yeah. You put yourself in that position. And he kind of didn't. He kind of ran himself into dead ends. He was getting frustrated that the that the passes and the ball wasn't inch perfect where he wanted it. I felt like he was getting frustrated that others weren't with him at times. When at times he was the, the right way to go, but at other times... He wasn't, and the ball was going away from him. Was all was going back through the midfield to try and go around the other side. Yeah, he cuts a frustrated figure. I wonder if it's because he's not scored yet. 
And I wonder if he'd feel better if he had a couple of goals, even if they were still in defeats or still in the draws that we've had. I do wonder if he'd be a little bit more sort of on board with everyone else. But he, yeah, he cut a, a lone, frustrated, annoyed figure. Um, not for the want of trying, I don't doubt. I do believe he is giving it, and I do believe he is trying to get other people to what he considers to be the standard that, that we should be setting. And it's without question, he brings a certain amount of experience and stuff and a certain amount of um, quality from higher divisions. But it isn't working right now in that performance, in that one-off performance. It worked really well against Weymouth, worked really well a couple of games after. But right now, it's not benefiting the team for him to be like that. Yeah, there was a... To be sort of throwing his toys out the pram at a ball not going right. It doesn't. We, that's not good. That's not what you want. And that can be quite off-putting. That can be quite off-putting. That can be quite a bit of... If you're a young midfielder and you've got Ruben Reed screaming at you that he's the only way through, are you under a bit more pressure to try and find him and to force a ball through that isn't quite right? I don't know. But it didn't... Yeah, he, he cut a lone figure. He felt like he was separate to the team. We were playing 10 of us and Ruben Reed at times yesterday. And that was that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, and and there are moments. There's a bit of chat about you know him being offside a lot. Um, and I, I, you know, it always if someone gets caught offside, you know, you're always like, ah, oh, why are they doing offside? But a lot of that is down to you know the timing of the pass coming through as well. Um, which, like you said, it, it felt like he was not quite in sync with the rest of the team. Um, yesterday, um, which is which is a shame because, as you've said, you know when he first came, he looked you know looked the part, didn't he? Bringing in other players, um, and we always sort of thought the Murphy Reed combination was the one that might be key to um, unlocking teams, and it wasn't quite that combination. But Murphy came on and showed what he was all about in that second half, didn't he? That that goal was just a wonderful first touch and a, a brilliant, brilliant finish. Yes, twice now he's come on and needed no time to get up to the speed of the game, no time to adjust himself to the way that others are playing. He's just in striker's instinct, still the best striker in the division by a mile and showed it again. And if if now's not the time to give him a run from the start, it never will be. He's in form, he's leading the way. This is, this is where Reese Murphy is 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 needed for Yeovil Town. This is the Reese Murphy we need. This is the Reese Murphy we've been crying out for. And it looks like we've got him. So who partners him and how, and how we go forward, I don't know. But from Tuesday night onwards, if he's ready, he plays. He yeah, starts. he looks like a totally different player, doesn't he, since he's come back? Yeah, without question. Confident. And I, I guess, you know, scoring goals as soon as you come on is a big part of that. But just his... Um, I don't know. I think maybe it was just because yesterday it felt like we didn't have that much energy up top that when he came on, it was like an instant change. So maybe it's just that sort of, you know, you're only as good as your last game and Reese Murphy is, you know, ultimately he's won us that game um, with that first goal. And then the second goal was great work from Albie. I was actually screaming at him to pass the ball to Alex Bradley who was in well, yards of the, space to put across in. The first time he gets he gets to the byline or thereabouts, sort of on the six-yard line by the byline, 
and there's three of them queuing up <laughs> to tap a ball in, and he shoots for the near post. <laughs> and I, I, I honestly, I was sat on the kitchen table, and I banged my fist on the kitchen table. <laughs> Pass it, you idiot. I was fuming. <laughs> I, honestly, I nearly text you to say, if that's our Harry Kane to Raheem Sterling moment in the Euros, I'm going to be, in the World Cup, sorry, I'm going to be fuming. They got the other one and score, I'm going to be fuming. And then literally, as I was typing that to you, I had to delete it because he puts a lovely ball in for uh, daggers to, to tap home. So I kind of have to just shut up about it now and move on. He didn't put the cross in, did he? No, sorry, but he, he, was wait- he got the he, ball back. He was doing a couple of back- step-overs yeah, and drag-backs and waiting for Alex Bradley to get behind him to put a cross in. And um, that, yeah. yeah, sorry, that's right. Yeah, so he, he got the ball back. He won it back from his own shot that was saved easily and then got the ball back and then the ball got whipped in. Like, oh, fine, okay. Fine, I've got to shut up, mate. He's done well there. <laughs> oh, the good back. goal. Well done. Yeah, yeah, fair play. Well done. Excellent. Um, good news. Yeah, and I think, you know, good for Dagnall to get something as well you know we want ultimately you want strikers scoring and that was you know a bread and butter finish for a player like Chris Dagnall but nice for him to get on the score sheet and actually um show something you know he's got something to show for show for how long was he on the pitch for about 10 minutes five minutes What, what I think it also does is for the last three or four podcasts now we've had questions and we've answered questions and we've talked about how which of the trio is it Quigley, Reed, or Murphy. Well, actually, there's four. There's a fourth striker here that we don't want to go forgetting, and I don't think it's right for anyone, and I'm as guilty as anybody here, of not not forgetting Dagnall, but kind of ruling him out. Yeah. Yes, he can come off the bench and do what he needs to do. Um, but he's got a part to play this season, as Dagnall. He's got a part to play. He's got now. He's got experience. He's got those things that, at one point, I was very vocal about calling for on this podcast. So, if his role is, is as an impact player, to come on and hurry tired defenders and make people make mistakes, that's fine. But I don't want us to leave him out. I don't want us to leave him out of our conversations. And I kind of need him in my squads more often than not. I don't just want him um, bumped off the bench just because we've got a few players back from injury over the next couple of weeks or months. I think he's got a part to play. And I'm, I'm glad he's got himself a goal to keep him in our thoughts and in our squads. Yeah, I mean, this is a player who's played nearly 600 times in his professional career yeah. and scored more than 150 goals. So, you know, it, I, I don't think we can understate how valuable having that type of player is at a club, especially with a bit of a focus on younger players all of a sudden. You know, you need that balance and he's going to be perfect for um, a lot of the younger players coming through. Exactly, and again, we've talked about it before, but Quigley's not, not played at 600 games and scored 150 goals. Nice. He's very much learning. He's learning about nows and how to get in the right positions and how to make little little runs when balls are coming in to hopefully avoid getting goals chalked off unnecessarily, but he might have, he might have benefited from having Dagnall day-to-day on the training pitch. He might have benefited from having that experience that he can learn from. They're different players, of course, but yeah, I, I don't think we should be writing Dagnall off between now and the end of the season at all or, or not including him in our chats about how we best go forward. No, and what did you think of Josh Neufeld yesterday? Because I, I messaged you and, and we've put a lot of like fans, that is, not just you and I, have put a lot of hype around Neufeld. He's had a good few performances where we've thought this guy's, you know, we need this guy. 
Um, but yesterday was the first game where I sort of felt like he was a little bit lost. And I mean, I, I messaged you saying I, I don't want us to do a Gabby Rogers with Josh Neufeld because Gabby Rogers would come on, show, you know, brilliant little patches of play and we'd be, you know, very much praising him that he was the saviour of of games and things like that. Whereas, I, you know, we don't necessarily believe that to be the case now. I don't think, I think it's all well and good showing a good five, ten minutes, but over the, the long period of a game, you need to show more. And I'm just a bit, I'm, I'm starting to think that Josh might need to come out of the game a little bit. I don't know. What's 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 your what's your view? Does he need a bit of a break and be taken out of the limelight? Because remember, he's just a kid, and we're putting a lot of pressure on this young kid who's not even our player to, um, you know, save us in games this season. Yeah, nineteen years old, two thousand and one. He was born. How old do you feel right now? <laughs> um, so old. and and he's played. He's played a lot of football. Like, he's played 90 against Altium, 90 Eastley, 90 against Stockport, 90 against Dover. He started against Maidenhead. He played the vast majority of the game against Weymouth and Torquay. So, look, he's, he's come in. He's getting this run. This is, this is the difference between him and Gammy Rogers. He's getting a run now of six, seven, eight games. And if that's the first time where we're saying, oh, maybe now his best one, he's got enough credit in the bank for me. He's yeah. got enough credit in his performances that he still starts against Boreham Wood on Tuesday. But I think we need to be prepared, whether that's by having Sanupe if he's available, whether that's by having a slightly different tactic in mind, if, if Neufeld isn't quite showing it come half-time, come 60 minutes, whatever, that we are prepared to make a change. Um, a burnout is a, is a very real thing. He's 19, he shouldn't be burning out, of course not. But when you're an exciting player like that, with the weight of a team on your shoulders after those performances against Weymouth and Torquay, it, it, it might be a bit much. It might be a little bit much. We don't know. We don't know. But um, he was he was running into dead ends. I felt like he was getting a bit frustrated because he's such a key part. If we're talking about how Quigley and Reed were getting frustrated and weren't getting close enough to one another, that has a knock-on effect for those who are providing. The providers are then having to force balls that weren't going to be forced. They were having to cross balls further in different ways. It's, it's, it, it has a knock-on. So if we start Reed and we start quickly and we see a similar performance, I can kind of start spotting a pattern. But if we've got, let's say we start Murphy and Dagnall, just for argument's sake, and they're, they're closer knit, everyone's a bit closer in, they're a bit tighter, they're making more room for Neufeld to exploit around the wider areas because the two front men are a little bit more narrower, uh, narrower um, then actually Neufeld may feel like he has more room to go out the outside. He came inside a lot. Same with Knowles. Yeah. He was coming inside more. And I wonder if that's not really their thing they want to get beyond because that's where the goal came from, wasn't it? Got yeah. wide, got to the byline, cross game in, got wide, got to even the one that was um, ruled out, got wide, got to the byline, got it back. So maybe the maybe the early parts of the game didn't suit. Maybe the way that the front four five isn't really clicking in that first half just doesn't suit. He's got enough credit in the bank. He definitely starts, and I think we should try and find a way of just getting that front five a little bit more fluid, a little bit closer, and I think we'll get back to the Neufeld that was so successful against uh, Maidenhead, and he played well against Gover, didn't he? I seem to remember as well. Yeah, he did. I think you know, I guess because of those. 
really crap pitches we played on the previous two games as well. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, that's it, not it, his it game. Will it's not... stuff out the legs, and like I said, that first half we looked leggy. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, I, credit to get our game on, but I don't think our pitch held up maybe as well as it would like to have done. No, no, but I mean the conditions have been. Oh, I, think, I think when you look, there were only three games played yesterday in the National League, and obviously that's to various reasons, but a lot of it is down to frozen pitches. And um, I mean, there was only two in League Two. Yeah. So, so fair yeah, play, fair play to oh, the staff for getting it on. You know what? Massively. What a job! What a job! Well yeah. done. Um, anything else before we take any questions? We're up to seventeenth now. Um, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> that is nice. That is nice, isn't it? That just it gives you a little bit of a gap. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know whether or not the North and South are going to null and void. We don't know whether relegation is even a thing. But five points clear of of that of that Kingsley position now. You are looking up a little bit further. Another win could take us up to like fourteenth. I think it is, depending on other results, bits and pieces. You know, we're going in the right direction. We've not got it easy. Four and Wood next. That's not going to be. That's not going to be easy. Neither's Hartlepool. They are in a good vein of form at the minute. A couple of times after, and that's a way at Hartlepool. That's not easy at all. Mm. So it's busy, and then it's Weymouth again. Yes, we kind yes. of. I I forgot that until that last night. Oh, I wonder who's next. Oh, boring. Oh, oh, oh Weymouth are back in town, are they? <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, let's I mean, let's let's get out of the next two unscathed. Pick up four points. Let's beat Boreham and, and draw with Hartlepool, and you're going to Weymouth absolutely flying. Get battered twice away from home, though, and you're right back in amongst it, and you're right starting to worry with Weymouth on the horizon again. So, prime example of this one. Don't get too high with these highs, and don't get too low with the lows. We didn't get too low after the previous defeat, but don't get too high after this one. Yeah, should we talk the National League situation? We, we have had a question. The situation. <laughs> the, the overarching situation. I'll just yeah. pull up the question that came through. Uh, so... Andy Cleave on Twitter, Clevo, with the news from Dover last night, do you think this will force government's hands in terms of a support package? Nobody wants to see a club go to the wars. So for those who haven't heard, um, Dover have now furloughed all players, staff and management um, to safeguard the club's long-term future. Uh, the owner said all the financial reserves, this is Jim Palmer, said all the financial reserves have now been completely exhausted. For 15 years I have run the club without debt and I do not intend to change that now. The club will be unable to fulfil further National League fixtures until appropriate funding is made available. So fairly massive news in that now the you know all Dover games are off as it stands because of this decision. Yeah, um... It's not. It's not the only case either. There are a couple of um, teams in the north south. I believe Cambridge Angels have said something similar. Um, uh, Maidstone United have said something similar. If if they are forced to continue playing, they will play non-contract players who are playing for free. Yeah. Simple as that. Um, does this change anything? I'm. I'm not sure it does. Is the horrible, horrible truth. Um, if the National League board are willing for North and South teams to play with non-contracted players, I don't see why they would be. Um, I don't see why they would be concerned about a National League Premier team playing non-contract or lone players playing for, for, for nothing. Um, it should 
it should force the hand. I mean, we've, we've only got 14 days to go until we know the votes. And from what I can tell, and I refer back to at Ollie Bayliss, from what I can tell, we are edging closer to a north and south that's null and void. Um, yeah. Did you see the Dulwich Hamlet Twitter thread? Basically, they're in a they can't win because they've all been charged for not fulfilling fixtures, but they can't. Basically, every step they take leads to potential sanctions from the league. Yeah, and that's just the mess that that so many clubs are in right now. Yeah, I've, I, let's go through the list of the list. So, Dulwich Hamlet. Um, in summary, no course of action is free from sanction. Out of money against their rules. Negotiate with HMRC against the rules. Private loan against the rules. Sport England loan against the rules. Play on and get into debt you can't pay against the rules. Don't play on and stay afloat against the rules. Play on with academy or under 23 against the rules. (laughs) (laughs) What can you do about that? And and the longer, you know, the longer this goes on, I, I feel like, you know, at first it was very much let's put pressure on the government and, you know, the petition started. The petition has even broken 10,000. Um, yeah. And, I don't know, my mind is more leaning towards what a total cock-up this is by the National League rather than the government. It certainly doesn't look, it doesn't paint the National League hierarchy in any great light here whatsoever. No, and it hasn't from, you know, from the whole distribution of funds to the investigation of the distribution of funds to now this, you know, I think the government are probably sitting back quite nicely and uh, watching it unfold because, you know, from there, you know, there's plenty we can say about, you know, things over the last 12 months, but the National League are hardly showing how, how things should be done, are they? No, exactly. All, all I think we can, all I think that can be done now. I think what what will be important is obviously from from today, as you're listening to this, that testing begins internationally, and that might see a few teams postponing games anyway. Which, if this is the case, it might just buy teams a bit of time before the decision is made. And going off what we know, is that the vast majority of clubs that have declared which way they are voting have voted for the decision to be in the hands of the individual um, individual leagues. So there's more resolution one fours than there are against it. These are 75%, and whether or not we're there or not, I don't know, and there are enough undeclared votes. If that lands and uh, the divisions are split decision-wise, it looks to me, and again, I'm reading this as a bit of an idiot, who doesn't really understand everything an awful lot, <laughs> that the North and South will declare themselves null and void and the National League will then have the opportunity to, con- to continue just without relegation, basically. Yeah. Um, which, if it goes that way, that's harsh on, on the teams at the top of the National League, North and South. I mean, Gloucester City are the exception to the rule. They, have, they, they just want to carry on no matter what. They don't want to carry on no matter what because they're throwing all kinds of cash at getting promoted. And um, and they want to carry on, but I'm just looking at the National League North now. Pretty much everyone has voted for null and void. Even second place Chester City for null and void. Yeah. So 
And the yeah, other the other thing which, you know, which is important to note is one of the teams in the National League doesn't even get a say in yes, in Wrexham. <laughs> like because because they're in Wales, not in England. Yeah, I mean Wrexham are obviously the outlier as well because they have their new flashy Hollywood owners. Mm. So I'm not sure <laughs> I think I think actually that's that's negative for those who want to continue because they would have almost certainly said, Yeah, fine, we're happy to continue because yeah. we can we can run this show and it'll make good for the Amazon documentary when it happens <laughs> when uh, if they carry on and play football. So um, obviously very little in the way of hard votes from the National League proper um, of the 22 that can vote. Only two have declared as being for none and void. That's Kingsland and Dover. So we wait. We are, it's, it's a horrendous situation. It's messy. It's horrible. But uh, don't be surprised if a couple more waterlogged pitches come the way over the next couple of weeks with uh, Dover fixtures. Mm, right. Let's bash through these questions because we've got homework to do. We have. Sorry, um, yes. Go, 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 go. Who go. starts up top, in your opinion, on Tuesday night at Boreham Wood? That's from at We Love You YTFC. It is uh, Reese Murphy and Go Quigley. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to let you just answer because, these. Just because I want that, I want to see the the... the the energy from Mies Murphy, I want to see the fluidity of the front five, and I think that he will naturally get closer to Quigley. I think Reed, all Reed needs now is just a little time out of the game. Just to come on, chip on his shoulder, like Murphy's been doing. Yeah. I want Reed to come on with a chip on his shoulder and go, All right, you're gonna bench me, are you? Fine, I'll show you. And then you can show up. <laughs> so that's that's all that is. That's all that is. I want a bit of energy and I want a bit more fluidity and close linkingness between that front five. Okay. Uh, Mike YTFC17 on Twitter. Can you name all previous names of what is currently the Screwfix stand? Which he means the Screwfix community stand, as corrected by Hewish Hugh. Um, can you do it? I mean, when I started going, it was the Bartlett stand. And, you know, I still well, like that's, to call that's it the, the only Bartlett one that I stand. had for sure was Bartlett. Yeah. But is that so? The Tamburino is the other one, isn't it? Yes. I, I get confused as a terrace stalwart. And someone who is a bit of an idiot and struggles with the left and right occasionally, I don't. I'm not sure. That's the, that's not the main stand, is it? So, no, it's not. No, I, no, no, no. I was I was Bartlett stand through and through. Oh, you're a Bartlett, were you? Yeah, always. Mm, okay. <laughs> Block P. <laughs> you uh, learn something about uh, people every day. Mm. Okay. Um, so no, can't. Not not, not a clue. Uh, will the live streaming service be able to continue when fans come back? That's from Paddy on Twitter. Um, I don't think so because of the whole three o'clock rule. Unless they change the whole three o'clock rule, and yeah, I, I I don't think it will. I think they'll revert to type. I think the way in which highlight packages and the way in which football matches at this level are consumed is going to change as a result. You look at the way that teams have developed a pre-match um, content. You look at the way that Bromley have done theirs, and the, and the, um, we've done ours last couple of games. We've had a bit of a we've had Sam in his funky sweatshirts giving us a bit of a presenter thing, and oh, let's go to the highlights. Let's go to this, go to that. The way that the, the, the matches are being presented is changing, is evolving right in front of us. The fact that we're doing podcasts is changing and evolving, and the way that football is consumed will move along with it. I. Do you just think though the actual ninety minutes will probably not be allowed? Okay, Clevo, 
would you like us to extend the loan of Sass Davis for the rest of the season? He looks incredibly assured today for a youngster. He did. He did look assured, didn't he? And, and, and we've mentioned it, so I'm not going to go over a ground that we've already talked about, but if it's available, great. Um, it might not be available. If it's not, then you kind of have to move on. He's there as the emergency cover because we don't have any other defenders and Colin's got himself stupidly sent off. Yeah, my um, worry with young, you know, he's, he's obviously he's a young player born this millennium. Um, I don't want, you know, he has one great game and then if he has a bad game the next time, the way we, we in... Um, the royal we. In, yeah, <laughs> tend to behave is that you know, if he has a bad game next week, he's going to be a waste of space. What are we doing with him? Send him back type reaction. So, as it's exactly the same with Hunt. We yeah. answered this question when Hunt was on loan. Would you like to see him extend at the end of the season? Yeah, we probably would. Oh, actually, he's our player now. Brilliant. Has one bad game. Rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah, I Get always weird. go to. I always, I always go to Arson and how he always said how you play young players and you know that when you play a young player, you're going to lose a certain amount of points because that young player will make mistakes that an experienced player doesn't make. So we just have to accept that if we want to play these young players. Yeah. Okay. Move along. Uh, Another one from Paddy. So many questions today. Uh, Shouldn't a full-time side be beating a part-time side with ease? Supposedly better coaching, more coaching, big bigger budgets and better facilities. We are making hard work of it at times this season. We are making hard work of it at times this season. Very hard <laughs> work of it. Look, Oxygen are not a bad side by any stretch of imagination. They've won nine times. They've drawn a bunch more. They've scored plenty of goals. I'm, I'm not sure how much of a difference the part-time thing is. I imagine when they do train, it's all football-based rather than fitness-based and the lads are just trusted and told to keep fit in their own time. Um, so whilst they are part-time in terms of facilities and stuff, Altrincham, it's still a nice enough ground. They'll still train on the same grass that we train on. I'm not sure it makes a massive amount of difference. No, I don't Um, think it is. Like, you know, when we first went full-time back in the late 90s under David Webb, yeah, uh, you know, it was a big thing then because there were lots of teams that were part-time and I think it made a difference. Whereas, you know, anyone can do a bit of yoga Joe Wick's body workout and all this sort of stuff on their off days and, and maintain a level of fitness and athleticism that, like you said, we'll see them through in ball work and tactical yeah. shape and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, we all have access to full fitness regimes at home now, whereas 20-odd years ago, you know, you needed an expert to tell you what to do and how to do it. Yeah, exactly. And even with diet through things, if you're an optimum player, even if you've got a quote-unquote normal job, chances are you're not nipping to five guys for your lunch. You're thinking about your diet. You're thinking about the way that things are going. You're thinking about what you're eating, what you're consuming, and how you go about your life. Because actually, if you perform well at a part-time side and look after yourself, chances are there's going to be full-time clubs looking at these players. And chances are that some of the Oxygen players either were full-time and have gone to part-time just to kind of reset their careers a bit. I'm not sure it's a massive difference. And they're, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're flying. They're, like I said, they're in the playoffs. So um, we are making hard work of it. <laughs> so that bit I agree with considerably badly. But uh, no, I'm, I'm not making a big deal out of the part-time thing. Right. Can I just, you mentioned five guys there. If anyone from five guys is listening and wants to provide some sort of 
perk for mentioning you uh, will accept um, very yeah. much so. Um, I think we'll do some other questions next time because there's been some good ones that aren't necessarily related to this game overall. Um, okay. I'm just conscious of the time and that this homework will end up, you know, it's going to take a good portion of this time up. So shall we do it? So it was the Alliteration yeah. 11? Alliteration 11, yes. This was tougher than I thought it was. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. It's very top-heavy have... sides. Yes, I've got the lesser spotted uh, two five three formation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I mean, I'm. I'm not too dissimilar. Um, I've got. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, hang on. I am quite dissimilar. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, two. Yeah, two five three. Uh, I'll be honest with you. A five in midfield. It's it's going to move around a lot, and my bench is entirely striking. I've got a very fluid right side. I will say that. Oh, I've got a very fluid left side. Okay. So, yes. Okay, right. Goalkeepers were tough, wasn't it? Yeah. I looked through the, the player archive, and I tried to find a goalkeeper that I at least had heard of. And I did find one, but I have bent the rule. Yeah. I think so, we're both... We've probably uh, both gone for the same one here. Yes. <laughs> have we gone for 1949 hero Dickie Dyke? We have, yes. Yes. His, his name... <laughs> His name was Victor, but we'll, we'll you know, Dickie, yeah. Dickie Dyke in goal. If others of a certain other generation know of other goalkeepers and can tell me that other alliterated goalkeepers were better or are good, they can have a place on the bench. But Dickie Dyke makes the team. Yeah, I think basically club legend as well. So overall, yeah. anyone who objects is overruled on this one. Wonderful little story. If ever you've got a fair few moments, just have a little back through and look back into the story. He wasn't even the first choice keeper. No. Imagine no, coming in for that game. Imagine coming in for that game. Incredible. And then doing what he did. Amazing. He was the last surviving member of the team as well, wasn't he, I think? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. That is, yeah, hugely sad. So, yeah. The late, great Dickie Dyke, as he shall henceforth be known. Okay. Defenders. Who are you two? Uh, Stefan Stam. <laughs> yep. And Joey Jones. Oh, wow. Well, we are in sync here, aren't we? <laughs> that was it. All I have. I don't have anyone else. No, me neither. They were both bang average. Stefan Stam was okay. Joey Jones was okay. I don't think we got to see enough of Joey Jones because he's gone on and he, he might have squeaked in the one that got away team because he's been doing some all right stuff. He, National he League came to us when were we in the championship when he joined or league. He might one. have been and then sort of played in when we got relegated a couple of times. Yeah, so he, he, difficult time to come yeah. to us really as a young player because you were never going to get thrown in really in that season I wouldn't have thought exactly okay, okay. midfield midfield five please okay uh, on the left Michael McKindo correct uh, in the centre of midfield Chris Cohen correct Connor Clifford correct Steve Stott oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> I didn't put him in oh. okay. Uh, okay yeah he was when I first started going he was Yeovil's number eight him and Steve Thompson in the middle of the park Oh, there you go. Um, he's in, and then my right side is a little bit, you know, it's Olafella Olamola because on on, okay. a, on FM he he plays a, he can play an AMR. So, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's okay. So I think Darren played him out wide as well, but that's, you know, yeah, that's not Darren necessarily down to tactical I'm mouse. Sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure I played that wide once under him. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I had I had Clifford I had Clifford Cohen and Mackendo. Yeah, the elusive Fraser Fivey. 
sneaks in in defensive midfield for me. Okay. Um, bang average, sent a tweet at halftime, teased everybody <laughs> off, left. And uh, also, I've chucked in Jerry Gow as well. Okay. Um, he, he's he's going to do the job on the right-hand side of midfield for me. Yeah, um, but you, uh, did you watch him? No. Hmm, I watched on a fella. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. So who's so a front three? I, I have plenty. Ola Mola makes my bench. Okay. Your front three? <clears throat> my front three are Mr. Sam Surridge. He's up top. He is the lone, he is your front man. And who is working off of him? <clears throat> Mr. Barrington Belgrave. Correct. And Yeovil Reserves legend from back in the day, one Arthur Appleton. Arthur Appleton. Wow, of all the strikers. Yeah, <laughs> but just because. Okay. If you, I mean, if you ever went to watch Yeovil Reserves in the mid to late 90s, he was like the talismanic striker. Well, there you go. I, th- I feel like I've learned. And yeah. in, in those days, me and my granddad would go to whatever Yeovil Town games there were, and that included Tuesday night reserve games. One Saturday, actually, we went to a reserve game, and it went. It was a cut. We didn't realize. Well, we must have realized it was a cut match, but we thought it would be a replay. But instead, it went to extra time and penalties. And this was like before the days of everyone had a mobile phone, so like. We, we we were just there really late watching Yeovil, <laughs> and no one knew. <laughs> so we couldn't text, you know, we couldn't text me Nan to say, "Oh, it's gone to extra time and penalties." We're, you know, add another forty-five to an hour onto your day. Um, oh, there you go. But yeah, Arthur Appleton, he's in. Oh, well, I, instead of Appleton, I've got Reuben Reed. Okay. Yeah. You've got Reuben Reed with a bench of Giuliani Grazioli. Yeah. Leroy Lita. Yeah. Olafela Olamola and Craig Calver. <laughs> you got a Craig Calver story you want to share? I kind of have a Craig Calver story, yes. Um, I kind of told him he was released. <laughs> what? Yeah, so the article went live and I had interviewed him not long before and he'd been really helpful to me as a, as a trainee journalist almost. The article went live on the re- website and the rest of it. Uh, so-and-so have been released, and all these players have been released. And so I just texted Craig Calvin and I said, look, mate, I've just seen the website. Really sorry it hasn't worked out. Just want to say thanks and good luck for your next um, adventure. <laughs> and he replied going, cheers, Ben, but I don't wish to be rude, but where have you seen this? <laughs> and I said, oh, they just posted online saying that you've been released. And he said, oh, we were in talks. It hadn't been confirmed yet, but clearly it has now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just kind of, sorry, ah. mate, I don't want to tell you there, bud, but it's kind of online. <laughs> I kind of think I replied with something very nice in the way of, uh, um, I hope you do get it sorted. Cheers, mate. Bye. <laughs> never to be seen again. Oh, I believe man. he's very, a very successful personal trainer somewhere now. Okay. Well, that's, he probably makes more money that, doing that than he would have done as a a um, non-league yeah. footballer with Yeovil Town. There you go. That's wow. my great time story. Wow, that is a good story, but that is a damning indictment of how things were handled <laughs> back in... <laughs> Back in the was that that so, would have been the mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands, was it? Oh crikey, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well. Yeah, probably. So you get to choose the stipulation. Ah, is it my turn? It definitely is your turn. <laughs> I think I think your team beats my team. Okay. I think Arthur Appleton nets the winner. I so. think I think so. He, he did like to. Uh right. Okay. Cool, this is I've got a couple of choices here. Um, and I quite like, you know, I'm all for symmetry, but I'm going to throw symmetry out the window here 
and we're going to go for a left-footed 11. Oh, no. <laughs> do you mean, oh, no? Oh, I don't pay attention to who kicks with what foot. Well, you're going to have to. Okay. You won't I'm find that on the player archive, will you? No, I won't. I'm going to do some research. <laughs> okay, left-footed 11s is then, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, no stipulations on this, just... You want. They can kick with their left foot. Good not time. in the way that Luke Aylin put that world in against Birmingham. Because um, oh, he's not he's not left-footed. He was oh, and okay. he admitted after, didn't he, that was just, his, you know, his left foot's just for standing, really. Okay, um, right. Yeah. Do some thinking, because I have no idea where to go with it. Nathan Jones. <laughs> Keeper's easy. Is he? Uh, I've no idea. Hey, well, Wheelie was left. Wheelie was left-footed. How can you not pay attention to goalkeepers? Because I'm looking at where the ball's going, not his foot. This Are is going to be tough. <laughs> I'm going to need some help, Glover's cast listeners. I need your 11s in before I have to <laughs> submit mine, so I can copy your homework. No help. Right, right. Let's call it there. Let's and, go. Uh, let's do it. Enjoy we'll the enjoy rest of your Valentine's day. Days with our wives. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good stuff, mate. Really appreciate it, bud. Thanks, mate. Take care. Cheers. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindergaard making Morris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott, goal! Pardo Solicitors, the friendly law firm based in the heart of Somerset with offices in Yeovil, Taunton and Bridgewater with a strong ethos of helping those in our community. If in doubt, check it out with Pardo's on a free no-obligation call or subscribe to our free podcast, The Friendly Law Podcast. For more information, call 0800 862 or visit pardos.co.uk. Pardo Solicitors, looking after you, your family and your business. At A.J. Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. Whether you're a one-man or one-woman band just starting up or a large established business, Chalmers Accountants offer a range of expert services tailor-made to your needs. They have over 100 years' experience of helping businesses of all sizes and provide a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.